If I told you that there are laws to influence people, would you like to know how to use them? Can you imagine how your life would be if you could manipulate others for your convenience? And would you like to know how they manipulate you in order to avoid it? Well, if that interests you, then listen to this episode. Let's begin. Influence, Science and Practice by Robert Cialdini Chapter 1. Arms of Influence First of all, people tend to guide themselves by certain stereotypes in many situations. For example, with the jewelry, you generally think that the more expensive the product is, it means that it has more quality, right? I mean, Tiffany's jewelry is way more expensive than the store in downtown of your town, right? So we follow these stereotypes because as human beings, we are lazy to reason. And well, this is not wrong, because many things require an immense amount of data so that you can actually like really, really analyze the situation. And I mean, with such complicated businesses and things like that, the, the times is scarce, there are distractions, there is emotional excitement or mental fatigue, and like we are not in conditions to like act like that, like really analyzing everything. That is why we are forced to take the shorter route to just follow the stereotype, right? And these stereotypes that we mostly follow are called heuristical criteria. This criteria indicates us when we must believe or do something that it's told to us. Also in agreement with a principle known as the the principle of human behavior. When we ask a favor of somebody, we have a greater chance of getting it if we give a reason to like for them to do us such favor. People like to have reasons for the things that they are doing. However, when it's a really important thing, we also like resist to like give up the seduction of taking in account just one factor of information that is offered to us and react uniquely to it. It's not about any specific topic that affects us personally. We take the information that is given to us very easily. We are also very like opportunistic beings. Some people know too well where you can find these arms of influence. That, and these are like automatic and they are usually very employed in the business and marketing, for example. Now, moving on to another subject. Contrast. The principle of contrast is applicable to all perceptions. For example, if you are talking to a beautiful woman at a party and then another one that is least attractive comes over, this last one will seem less attractive than she actually is just because you had a, like the really beautiful one talking to you before. Like it's the contrast between the two that makes you like make it even bigger. You know what I mean? And this is very useful when we want to make comparisons and we want to add more value or take value from something. And it is not very obvious, so it's not like people are going to suspect or anything in case you want to use it. Something similar can work if you're selling something and you want to sell more to your client. For example, 
A client could like reject the idea of spending $75 in a jersey. However, if your client had just bought a $275 suit, a $75 jersey wouldn't seem so excessive. You know what I mean? It's like you are you are already like spending money. Why not spend just a little bit more? You know what I mean? You're, like you're taking away the contrast. Because it's, um, and it, well, it is more likely that you keep on spending once you have already spent on something. This can be like complementary products or similar ones or compliments or anything like that. First, show something really expensive that is not really desirable, and then you can show an unarguable better choice. That can also really help. It's like the first example. Like, we're showing you something really bad and then something really good. You are going to see the contrast and you're going to say, my God, there's no better choice. I have to buy this. Now, chapter two, reciprocity. The law of reciprocity says that we must correspond similarly to what other person provides for us. For example, we are obliged to give back in the future, for example, favors, presents, invitations, among other things. This rule functions independently whether we like or know the person that gave us something. We always feel that instinct to correspond. On the same way, this occurs with small favors. Like, for example, if you start with a small favor, generally, they are corresponded in a greater magnitude. Like, generally, there are some people that always bend the rules or that just don't follow the type, you know what I mean. But generally, people tend to correspond in a greater way. One of the important reasons that like make this actually happen it's that it's really uncomfortable to have that feeling that you owe something, right? Nobody likes, likes to have debts, much less if they take you to uncomfortable situations. So if we owe something, it it is actually very likely that we will correspond with something better. That way we can take that load off of ourselves. Now, let's examine a technique that we saw in relation to the first chapter. This is the technique of the rejection and scapade. The procedure of this technique consists in that you are like, you do a petition, like an extreme petition. Like, for example, you go to your boss's office and you ask for an increase of 30% in your salary. When that extreme petition is rejected, then you retire that petition and you go for a smaller one. And this is what you actually were hoping to get, firstly. But like to tone it down, like to like decrease what you're asking for, it's like mm, something, something nice than people see. It's like you negotiated a bit, you made a concession and well, the other part will actually be more likely to be forced to accept what you're asking for. And it is really important to understand that the solicitor uses the, the arm of influence of the reciprocity so that they can obtain this favor. And well, of course, they also use the contrast that we talked about before, because you're making a big difference between your first extreme petition and then what you were actually hoping to get, right?
And well, the solicitor feels a greater responsibility with the agreement, which we, which will mean that like he will make an effort, etc., in whatever that he was asking for. And the one that was like the one that was supposed to give up something or agree to something feels satisfaction of having obtained a good deal. So you see, this technique is actually a win-win for both parts. And well, now that you know how this technique works, you can recognize it so that they don't use it on you. Because, I mean, it's sometimes you don't want to accept any kind of deal because it's simply not convenient. Or you know that they were doing some kind of trick to trick you into thinking that you were getting a good deal, right? So the principal problem with rejecting this technique or like rejecting the pe the person that is actually doing this on you it's like just to give an answer like you will think about it or that maybe you could talk about that some other day because you don't also want to get to a conflict stage or anything so thread carefully now chapter three compromise and coherence. Let's talk about the arm of influence of the desire of being coherent with our actions and decisions. Let's look at an example first. Let's say we made a bet for something for something to happen. We know that bets don't always come out on our favor, right? But the moment we place the bet, we actually have more faith in it because we want to have a security that what we thought and what we reasoned was right. And it's literally just like thinking, yes, I was right. I have faith in what I decided. We want to be coherent because we wouldn't make a bet if we weren't sure, right? So we have to be sure. So. Once we have made an election or adopted a certain posture, we will find our like personal pressures uh, like impulsating us toward that path that we chose. And we will continuously act in a certain way that our actions are justified by our reasoning or vice versa. And admit it, maybe this has happened to you before. You haven't like always all of your life been right, right? But the moment you made certain choices and picked certain things, you thought you were very right. It always happens. Besides, another motive why coherence is so desirable is that in coherence, usually like you're usually you usually see it as a very undesirable personality trait. For example, a woman that changes her opinion once and over again is considered very superficial and very stupid. Now, let's look at another example, but this time on how people can exploit your coherence principle. You know that Christmas is the time that is, toys are best sell, right? Well, what toy stores do is that they launch publicity for a certain toy, a new toy that is the sensation between the kids and everything. And obviously kids want it and they ask their parents. And well, as it's near Christmas, their parents agree to buy them that present, that, that toy. But the toy shops actually ask for very little models of this such product. And what for? so that this few units can like be over really soon and then then as it's christmas parents are still 
obliged to like buy something because it's Christmas, right? You can you have to buy your kids something for Christmas. So you buy another present. And then a few months later or a few weeks later, then the publicity comes on again and the toy store actually does have the product because they asked for more units. And as you promised before, you have to buy it, right? Because you are somebody who keeps his promises to their children. I mean, come on, right? You see what they do that? Like... You have to be coherent with yourself, so you go and buy two toys instead of one. And it is really ingenious. Now, let's see the other arm of influence, which is compromise. In that example, also, the parents are committed to buy something. They compromise themselves to do that. And so that they don't become people that break their compromises, they must fulfill it. Compromise has to do like a lot with your personal image. That is why it has so much power over us. Also, um, like when a compromise is made in public or something like that, it has even more power because then many eyes will be on you to see if you actually fulfill it or not. And well, cliches are true. What best proves our true feelings and beliefs of people aren't their words, but their acts. And in that same manner, the greater the effort dedicated on a compromise, the greater the capacity of this to influence in the attitude of the person that has contracted it. Compromises produce like an interior change in you. And the effects are actually can be very long lasting. That is why once a person is committed to something, you will like modify the image that you have of yourself. Internal coherence is a sign of like logical and intellectual strength. And the lack of that is like considered a trait of the more stupid people. <laughs> Now, chapter four, social sanction. In accordance to the principle of social sanction, we determine what is correct by finding out what other people think is correct. And I mean, we guide ourselves by the opinions of other people. Wow, who would have thought, right? I know it sounds really like kind of bad, but it is actually a good thing. Normally, when a lot of people do something, it's because you have to do it or it's okay to do it. For example, having lunch, brushing your teeth, go to school instead of going stealing, etc. It's our tendency of supposing that an action is more correct because more people do it. And this is like applied to every, every, every single thing. For example, you know that in some restaurants or shops or something like that, like waiters actually leave a few bills like on this on a little stack there before you pay. It's like, oh my God, people already paid some tips. The place must be really nice. Maybe you should leave a little tip. Ching, ching. It's not because somebody actually left a tip. I mean, they actually did that. So you will be more encouraged to do the same as other people people did, you know? And well, movies always also give examples of behavior and they are a great influence on us overall on, on children. 
And the social sanction is also related to compromise. As we said before, if we make a public compromise, then we have to keep it so that we are maintain our personal image on other people. Although compromises can also be personal and like made in private, but the idea also stands like you would become a person who doesn't fulfill its compromises to that single person. I mean, it's still a little bit bad, don't you think? And sometimes a compromise with your beliefs can be so strong that no other thing or no other truth or argument will actually result you tolerable. Like, you will actually detest the idea of something else. For example, take religious people. They hate the idea of something else because they have such a strong compromise to their religious beliefs that they are actually... We don't know, but they are probably wrong. I mean, there are 3,000 religions in the world out there. And sure, one has to be right. Sure. And now, changing the subject. When we're not sure about something, we seek the answers in somebody else. We are very prone to observe the actions of other people and accept them as being right. Now, moving on again, let's talk about a weird way in which actually groups of people and societies work. Let's suppose that there's been an accident and somebody needs help. If there's only one spectator of the accident, it's very likely that he or she will provide help. However, the more bigger the number of spectators is, it is actually more hard to find somebody that actually provides that same help. The level of worried people and people who are willing to actually help actually in done experiments, in scientific experiments, reduced, by, reduced to a third of the original percentage of alone people who would help. I mean, it's because we actually think like, oh my God, there's so many people here. I don't have to help, somebody else will. The problem is that everybody else thinks that way. And well, in bigger groups, we become colder, more distant to each other because we think I don't have to do it. Somebody else will do it. There are tons of people here. And well, there are two types of situations in which incorrect data can make the principle of social sanction like wrongly advise us. The first is given when the social demonstration has been deliber deliberately falsified. These situations proceed from exploitators that create an impression that a multitude is acting in a certain way and uh, so that we act that way too. This is very rare though, because it's hard to convince a lot of people to do, to do something that's bad and to show it to more people living. Now, the second phenomena is like the pluralist ignorance. This says that no witness in a situation of emergency sees in it a motive of alarm. I mean, we put too much trust on the crowds and in certain circumstances like emergencies, Every other people does that, but in reality, nobody knows what to do. Like, we all become ignorant, you get me? Now, chapter five, sympathy. Logically, we prefer to say yes to people that we know and that they know us or that we get along with them. The thing with this behavior is that it can get to a point where we do things that are like 
unagreeable and ugly to us, but we do them because we're doing it for a friend, right? For example, some product brands actually use this strategy. For example, Jambal, Essica, those, I don't know if you know them, but they are makeup products, okay? What they do is that they get people to sell them for them. For example, they give a certain person X amount of products and then they ask that person to sell it among their close circles. And because like you're selling to your friends, you're saying like, oh my God, look what, I'm, why I, what I got into. Please buy a lipstick or two, I don't know. Um, because she's your friend, you will say, hell yeah, right? This is that strategy. People that we know, people that we like, we will do more favors for them. And well, how can you be more charming or win the sympathy of somebody else? First of all, like being attractive, like physically attractive, your face, your body, whatever, it really helps, like for obvious reasons, right? Between the benefits of being attractive, it is like literally proven hundred times over that attractive people have a greater chance of obtaining help when they need it or obtaining a job or anything of the like. Attractive people have more benefits. It's true. It's true. You cannot deny it. And in second place comes likeness. If a person is similar to you in some aspect, like for example, they had a similar experience, they look like you, they use products that you like, they have a similar lifestyle, etc. You're actually more capable of identifying and listen to that person. And that's where all the techniques of mirroring and things like that also come in because body language is also a very powerful tool. Now in third place comes giving compliments. We generally tend to like believe the compliments that are given to us and uh, that makes us feel really well towards who gave those compliments to us. And well, that's pretty obvious, right? If they say nice things about us, we're going to feel nice and then we're gonna like that person. Now in fourth place, we also like the things that we are already familiarized with. Often we don't actually realize that our attitude towards something is influenced by the quantity of times we have met with that thing in the past. We trust more something that we know, something that we know it's big, something that we know many people buy, something that we know there are many products of, something that we think is popular, something we have heard a lot lately, things like that, you know? Like, like it's they gain popularity so you think it's good. And now there are other, obviously there are other qualities, like for example, talent, mobility, like honor and intelligence. Somebody really intelligent can really impress you. And now moving on to chapter six, authority. Did you know that adults show an extreme availability for almost anything as long as, as they are fulfilling orders from an authority figure? We as human beings follow very well these authority figures. When we face a motivating factor of human action of such potence, it is naturally to expect that there are good reasons for that motivation. Before we obey an authority, we actually think about the, the human organization behind that. And that is enough for us to be a good justification for anything. 
a system of authority that has a hierarchy and is widely accepted constitutes an immense advantage for society, right? Because this allowed like development of complex structures for production, for the use of resources, for commerce, for defense, for expansion, for social conduct, for construction, for everything. I mean, any other way, we couldn't have made it as a society. We wouldn't have built anything if we didn't have some sort of hierarchy, if we didn't follow some certain rules. I, because the alternative to not, to following rules is just not following rules, and it's complete anarchy and zero progress, and we know that isn't good. So we really like authority figures and hierarchies. And we are taught about obedience since we are born. And we are basically taught that obedience is good and disobedience is bad, right? You cannot disobey your parents. No, no, no. Sometimes, like, obeying certain things is can get to real extremes. For example, war orders or something like that. Those are really extreme things, but we obeyed anyway. So... We have to accept this. And well, how does one become an authority figure? This can be really easy and really hard at the same time. Because, for example, getting a title from university or from a, an institute or anything like that can take several years of work. It can take a lot of dedication. But it also is possible for you to obtain certain authority without having done anything at all. Because, for example, many people don't even have a formal education and they are great leaders right now. They have a lot of money and things like that. And, well, for example, also just dressing up as an authority figure helps a ton because for example if somebody comes with a guard uniform with a military uniform or with a cop's dress code or something like that we will believe that they are because I mean why would they lie right nobody would ever suspect that a cop is not actually a cop you know what I mean and in a certain way, we can like mimic authority figures either with jewelry, with cars, or things like that. Because our personal image and like clearly states what social status we're on. And well, authority figures don't generally have a very low social status, you know what I mean? Now, chapter 7, scarcity. The principle of, of scarcity says that opportunities seem more valuable the farther away they are from our reach. We can desire things, but once we have them, we, they lose their charm. You know what I mean? Given the power of this principle, we assign value to things. And it's natural that professionals use this principle to their own benefit. If you want a good example of this, like take the market of antiquities because there there are unique pieces. There are all unique and blah, 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 and other things. And well, that is the principle of scarcity. For example, remember when at the beginning of the pandemic, there was like a, a scarcity of toilet paper and it was like that had so much value right then and then, right? I mean, the more it's scarce something is, the more valuable it is. And this actually applies to many things. Take, take for example, the elements. There is actually little gold in the planet. That's why it's so valuable. It's not just because it's pretty. It's
it's because there's little of it. Everything works like that. You want another example? Take the limited series of a product or, or of a brand. For example, take cars. This was a limited series car. This is the only car Ferrari made of this kind, blah, 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 blah. Like, there's a scarcity of the product, so you're more likely to think, oh my god, it's so valuable. And it's like really useful, right? To like make you desire something or like trying to pressure you into buying something because it's like we only have one left. There will be no chance tomorrow, etc. etc. I mean it's a pressure and it's also desirable for some reason, right? It's like wow. And well, people can also say like there's a due date for this, like tomorrow the offer ends, something like that. A due date a scarcity, whatever. It really works. They are constantly tantalizing you. And well, the confidence of professionals in the like that use this arm of influence, they do this in many different ways, like and this tendency can also be reflected in desiring what's forbidden and in consequence supposing that it's also more valuable. Let's admit it, what's forbidden is kind of attractive, right? For example, like, I don't know, drinking this juice, like a drinking alcohol, whatever, it's forbidden. Wow, it's so desirable, it's so wow. Like, you know, they're also making you feel that you're in a competition to get something. And that creates like a certain sort of adrenaline for you to get it first. And it's a really good motivator. And it is also worth mentioning then that when we see something that we desire or we need, like, and when that gets away from our reach, it gets us really nervous. That's why, like, when a threat is coming, supermarkets are emptied by panic of not having something. And, well, this can also be applied to, like, for example, you had something, but then you lost it. I mean, that's where the phrase comes, like, you don't know what you have until you lose it. Because, oh, my God, I had something that was really good and now I don't have it anymore. I desire it so much. You know what I mean? Now, the final chapter, chapter 8 instant influence. As consequence of the notable technological advancements, there has been a blossoming of information. We have more choices, more alternative, more knowledge on everything. This avalanche of change and options has made us seek for ways to adapt. One of the fundamental adaptations that we have realized is decision-taking. We see ourselves forced to like record to an easier like way of deciding and this is only a part of the element of information and well now you know by which standards people take their these decisions faster and in an easier way it's the ones that we analyzed just right now for example compromise reciprocity likeness and um, feelings of sympathy or friendship authority figures and scarcity. Hope you find this very useful in your life. Have a great week, guys. See you next week. Goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram for short summaries of this.